we got in it. She's like a shine on your shoes, a hearing the blues. That's great. That's great. Makes you relax like a big tax. We got Annie. Hello, and welcome to bonus episode 46 of Movie Musical Memories. Okay, um, I'm just rocking and rolling now because I do not want to talk about Annie for the third time on this fucking podcast that has spanned since the beginning of this fucking podcast with the 2014 version and then following the... 1982 version and now here we are again talking about this damn musical that i can't get rid of out of my life why won't this fucking musical go away anyways so today um not today thursday december 2nd was when annie live premiered on nbc and it was the first live musical from NBC since Jesus Christ Superstar, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, the reason why you might be saying, well, that's not right. There was that rent in quotation marks live that was really just 75% of a, um, of whatever it's called, the, uh, it was like the dress rehearsal from the night before because the one actor broke his leg, literally. Um, and then there was also The Grinch last year, but that was not live because there was a uh, the height of the pandemic was going on and that would have been dangerous probably to do a live show of, um, of that size and scope. So uh, they bubbled that and they just filmed it in pieces, I would assume i hope i don't know i don't know how they film that that's one that i like constantly am reminded happened and i get spooked that ooh that happened um what was i talking about sorry i'm like i don't know why i have the news on it's because there's no good movies on the movie channels right now um so annie live um was brought to you by the same people who brought you Sound of Music Live, which was horrendous. Peter Pan Live, which was okay. Like, above what catastrophe the Sound of Music Live was. Uh, and then you had the Wiz Live, which I thought was very good, but the production value looked like a high school built the sets, and it bothered me greatly. And then you have the post-Grease Live Fox showing up how this is how we make a fucking live musical um, standard with Hairspray Live, which I thought was great. And then after Hairspray was Jesus Christ Superstar Live, which I thought was incredible. Um, the only issue I had with Jesus Christ Superstar Live was that they got a bunch of people to fill that audience who clearly have never been to a Broadway musical in their life and decided to scream 
anytime John Legend, Sarah Bareilles, or anybody opened their fucking mouth to sing, and nobody could hear a goddamn word. A lot of them were singing because the crowd would not shut the fuck up. Um, that happened with Annie Live, too. I don't know why there was an audience for this one with the pandemic still going on. Um, but, yeah. So, that is what? This was the sixth live musical that they've done, I want to say, for NBC. Because we... Because the Grinch was not technically live, so I don't know if I would count that. Seventh overall, and then if you want to factor in Grease, A Christmas Story, Rocky... Well, Rocky Horror doesn't count because that was not live, nor was it filmed in a way to cheat that it was live. It was clearly conceived to be a live show. Annalie Ashford was pregnant, and... They just decided to film the fucking thing, I guess. I still am confused as to what was the original conceit for that. Also, what is the f- Oh, this, these are those COVID tests that we have at Forts. They now have advertisements for it. Interesting. Also, you did not hear what I just said. We do not have COVID tests at Forts. They are not for sale at the box office. We do not encourage you to wait until you get to the fucking Ford's Theater to get a COVID test because A, you should be vaccinated, B, you should read every single word on the website when you buy a ticket to a show in 2021 into 2022 because every single theater in DC and pretty much also wherever you go except for really awful states like Texas have the same COVID restrictions in terms of having proof of vaccination or testing or yeah. <laughs> Anyways, what was I talking about? Oh, all of the fucking live musicals. Um, ABC attempted to do something in terms of a live musical with The Little Mermaid, but it ended up being we're going to watch the film. Anytime there's a musical number, we're going to cut to the live performance on the stage of whoever's playing the part. And then we're going to watch the movie some more. And then we're going to cut to. So I really do not think that counts. I feel like it's cheating what they did. And then CBS has not attempted to do a live musical which is kind of shocking. Like, they seem like, I don't know, they feel like the ones that would do, what's like an old, old people's musical? They would do 1776 Live or Brigadoon Live. I don't know. CBS, do not make a live musical. Don't do that to us. Um, so I think... Have I been doing... No, Sound of Music was 2013. And then you had... Peter Pan was 2014. The Wiz was 2015. So the first live musical I covered on this podcast... It was not Grease Live, because Grease Live was January of 2016. If I'm not mistaken. So that was before this podcast started, a few months before. So Hairspray Live, I think, was the first live musical I talked about. And then I think A Christmas Story was, was that the same year of Screase Live? 
was that the year after? I cannot remember. Anyways, um, but yeah, this, it has been quite some time. There was supposed to be a hair live, and that got canceled. That very suspiciously got canceled after Rent Live did not do well in the ratings, and I think it was partly because of that spooked the network people that, oh, maybe we're fading. But the problem with Rent Live was it's not a family show, and it was a stupid idea to begin with, and they didn't cast anybody of real note except for maybe Vanessa Hudgens. But Vanessa Hudgens' selling power these days are questionable, even though the Princess Switch probably bumps her up a little bit more. I don't know. I don't know how to gauge the Vanessa Hudgens of it all. I thought she screwed the pooch on her career with the people are gonna die thing, but then again, she set up the uh, Republican stance of <laughs> COVID reactions. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, so Hair Live got canceled also because that was a very questionable decision like Rocky Horror was, where it was like, how are you going to put this on network television, especially on a live format with hair? Because hair features a lot of nudity and sexual songs and stuff. So it was going to get watered down. So I think that was for the best that they did not do Hair Live. Also, I don't I think Hair Live would have done well in the ratings because hair is a popular musical, but once again, not family friendly. Um, Andy Live, the ratings just came in. It was like 5 million views, which I think like a sound of music had like 20 million views or something. But I mean, I ironically, during the pandemic, everything did terribly in the ratings, even though everybody was at home. But it just goes to show that with every given year, less and less people have cable television, which is very sad but also the reality, and I don't know why everybody thinks it's a doomsday when an award show or anything, anything on television has bad ratings in terms of, like, in the single, like, that they dipped from year to year. It's like, of course they're going to dip, because people keep cutting the cord. So that's why it keeps going down. And look, this year the Oscars were always going to be low-rated low because even though every single film was available at home to stream by the time of the Oscars, people did not watch the movies because they didn't care. And they didn't have box office. They did not have the movies to play trailers, have posters hanging up to advertise the movies. They just did not care. That was the big takeaway from last year's Oscars, that the mass public did not care, and it does not matter because the Oscars are not for them. They are for movie lovers who give a shit about film. Anyways, Annie Live, a musical that is not for people who give a shit about musicals because Annie Live and Annie, to begin with, is a shit musical. I don't know why people always say, that's a show that works, Annie. No, it's a stupid fucking musical, and I can't stand it any longer. The only good version of Annie is the 1999 
TV movie directed by Rob Marshall, starring Kathy Bates, Victor Garver, Audra McDonald, Kristen Chenoweth, Alan Cumming, and I don't know the girl who played Annie because she did not do much after that. Not that I know of. I have not been following the girl's career. I feel like I'm missing a big name from that now. I'm staring at it right now in my DVD case. But I don't want to walk over there and see what's in there. Uh, I think I hit all the basics of the main characters. There might have been one glorified cameo that I'm forgetting about. Anyways, um, as you might know, if you're a first-time listener to this podcast, I did Annie in high school. I hated fucking the day we learned that we were doing Annie. I was like, why... Why? Why? It was so pissed. And I, like, the only song that I like in Annie is Easy Street. And I fought hard. I'm like, if I'm going to be in this fucking musical, I want to play Rooster. Because Easy Street is the only song, other than, like, little girls that I give a shit about in this treacherous musical. And me... And my friend Ina, we teamed up and we did like choreograph this whole audition for the callbacks. And we thought it was really, it really worked well and it really played well. And then I should have seen this coming when the director told me, hey, could you, uh, could you sing the song? Like, we just want to see how this goes. And it was, you're never fully just without a smile was for this character, Bert Healy, who I had no recollection in Annie because, like, the 1999 TV movie version doesn't even, like, go to that radio channel scene. If it does, it's very, like, it's not, like, Bert Healy is barely, like, a factor in it. Like, he is a factor in this version and in, like, the 82 version, but in, like, I don't know. I, I had no idea what this role was, and I just kind of sang it, and I'm like, okay, and I sight-readed it, and I'm like, okay, well, that's great, but how about Rooster? I felt so good. I thought, I nailed it. I'm going to get it. They, because it was also, I think I already knew that she was going to double cast it, and I'm like, cool, I'm going to get it, no matter what. And the day that the castle stuff went up, I was sick. And so I had my friend Ashley text me the cast list. And I remember just picking up my phone and she said, you're Bert Healy. And I'm like, who? <laughs> and then it, like, I realized it was like, oh, it's what they made me sing for. I, that, I don't want to do that. That's stupid. And two other people got Rooster and that was fine. Um, because I just find, I never specifically, when they did the double casting in high school, ever played a role that was double cast, but observing the double casting drove me nuts because they were focused on the main character that they were playing, and then when they had to jump in into the ensemble roles they were completely lost because they were focusing on, you know, the bigger part that they got, which makes sense. So I was just always like, you know what, <laughs> whatever. I don't want to play a double cast row anyways. 
And then, for some reason, I don't know, I found the way to bring life into Bert Healy. And, like, I just remember, this is, has this been 10 years? Yes, because I read on my Facebook memories 10 years ago reacting to the news that we were doing Annie. And I'm like, this is some Annie Live vibes going on. God, it's been 10 years since we did Annie. Oh, God. It's been 10 years since I've been in the 11th grade. Oh. Anyways, it, like all of the open wounds of 11th grade just are coming back to me, and they feel like they happened yesterday. And I apologize for anything that I've said or done that offended anybody in high school except for the people who had it fucking coming. And if you want me to clarify, I will let you know. But there are a lot of people who I owe lots of apologies to in just how ridiculous I was. And believe it or not, during this pandemic, with nothing, new, no new memories to make, I was haunted by all of my crippling anxiety of what I've done in my past, that have annoyed the shit out of people and I look back on and cringe with every loving God and if there was a way to do like electroshock therapy just to erase that shit out of my mind it would be quite beneficial at this point. I won't get into specifics but it's nothing like I did terrible but it's just you know awkward cringy things that it's like why did you do that Kyle you're an idiot. <laughs> Or why did you say that? Um, anyways, that's a lot. It sounds like I was like some like treacherous monster in high school and I was like a bully or anything. No, it's just you've listened. If you've listened to this podcast, you know that I'm over the top. And sometimes my over the topness can be stupid. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, I played Bert Healy, and then I also played one of the Hooverville bums, and I, you know, got into that role very well. Did my Aunt Delilah voice, my, I can't even do anymore. I play, I did this character my sophomore year, who was this chain smoker who worked at the county fair, doing the Ferris wheel or something, and I did that voice for like, a year solid and it like severely damaged my vocal cords as you can tell anytime I attempt to sing a song on this podcast I'm like I used to be able to carry a tune like in a flow that was good like in terms of, like I'm not tooting my own horn here I am not the greatest singer in the world as you know but you know there are times like when I go to sing now and I'm like, oh, I can't hit that note anymore because I probably damaged my vocal cords doing this voice that I went on to do in the Hooverville scene in Annie and cracked up my ninth grade science teacher because she told me afterwards. Um, Miss uh, Fernandez? Ferns? I can't even remember. <laughs> That was a whole thing with her name. We could not figure out how to pronounce her name, and I've just totally uh, messed that up, too. Um, 
My mother always called her Miss Frizzle because she had very frizzly hair and she was a science teacher, so. Um, that's beautiful. Why am I watching the news? The news is just depressing. Um, so yeah, I also played, so I was always Burt Healy and always a Hooverville person and I was always like in the NYC scene, like as just a townsfolk. I was not told that I would be in the, as one of the, um, Daddy Warbucks's like, slit daff during I Think I'm Gonna Like It Here, which, God bless, because A, I didn't want to be in that dance, B, that song drives me crazy, and I'm sure it's gonna be stuck in my head now that I've mentioned it for days on days. I do show up at the very end in the Christmas scene. And, like, to the point that there were no more vests that matched. So I just grabbed what other, whatever vest was available, and it didn't match anybody. So I just kind of made up a character. I was the Christmas tree, like, delivery person and decorator. And then, like, I don't know. It was one of those things where I'm, like, looking back, I'm like, Kyle, don't make up shit that the director didn't tell you to do. Don't do that. That's not your job but there was this awkward thing in the rooster scene and in the very last scene where like the jig is up scene as i like to remember where rooster and um lily get like arrested by the fbi and there were only two people who were like doing that and then miss hannigan has to get arrested so, like, she would be, like, standing on there and needs to be arrested, but they're still taking off Rooster and Lily, so there was nobody to, like, grab her. So it's just like, I'm just gonna jump in. Also, I would like to get off the stage so I can get into my Burt Healy jacket for curtain call. So that was kind of my escape, because that's what, that was an ongoing theme in high school theater, where I had to make up ways to get off the fucking stage, because... I was A, not tur like not taught a dance part, B, not given direction of what to do in a scene, because I was told, like, because it just got to the point where it's like, we're, we have two weeks until the show, that's not important right now, territory of what you're doing, and, like, I don't know. That show was a mess because our stage manager was somebody who stage managed from the uh light booth but didn't like call the show like a stage manager like traditionally like we we never had a stage manager that did like called the show from the booth like that we always had like a stage manager in the back and we didn't have and then the person who was going to be like the stage manager in the back had to become uh, once again it was ashley who had to jump in into the show last minute because two girls fucked around and found out fucking around after rehearsal and like jumped on top of like vending machines and got kicked out of the show so they had to join into the show last minute i don't know why like that was so important but they did and then um and then like i don't know there were like a few people who were in the stage crew and they just never knew what was the fuck was going on. And there was just nobody in charge backstage. So I kind of, because I was part of the state, that was the first year we, 
no, that was the second year we had a stage productions class. And, like, that was the year that they were adamant about, like, having people in the stage productions class be on the stage crew, like, have priority. And it kind of turned off some of the people who had been long-running stage crew people at our theater who were, like, in their senior year, and they were like, well, I don't want to do it then. Like, if you're not going to let me do it. And it was really, I don't know, that was a whole mess. Nobody, there was nobody in charge backstage. So, like, me and Ashley, like, God love everybody in that show. We were trying our hardest when we were not on stage, trying to direct everybody where these fucking large-ass mansion set pieces for Daddy Warbucks' house needed to go while the curtain was closed and where like this desk needed to go because there's no wing space in the play to high school it was a mess on top of that i if i told this story on the original annie podcast this is going to sound so redundant but this is as much as i don't want to talk about annie live at this moment um the other thing that happened was um every single male ensemble member who was not in a lead role that had a double cast role had dropped out ever like as as the show kept going it seemed like every single like ensemble male kept dropping out and so between me and Tyler Latimer we played like every single male ensemble role and Chad Collins stuck around and i want to say nick panetta stuck around but i'm not sure because he was infamous for i think he quit because he was infamous for being in shows and then quitting midway i feel like he quit because alec quit fdr because the guy who played fdr who sat at my lunch table i was like alec are you in the show still he was like uh, I don't know. It's like, Alec, we have 14 days until the show. Please make up your mind. And I finally convinced him to go tell the teacher that he was not doing the show. And I'm trying to think, wait, was that for FDR or was that for Mr. Pinky and Hairspray? I feel like it was for both now that I think about it. Because we definitely sat together at lunch senior, my senior year, his junior year. That might have been the case with that. And then Matt Hall just swung in to play um, Mr. Pinky perfectly. <laughs> what did he always say? <laughs> uh, whatever. <laughs> oh, mama. <laughs> I miss you, Matt Holdish, even though I don't know what the hell is going on with you in terms of political stances, but I haven't seen Matt since, oh my god, 2014. It was July 4th, 2014, at Jerry Mace's house. He was having a 4th of July, like, outdoor gathering. I have not seen Matt Holdish since, and it's very sad, because I love Matt Holdish, even though... I do not agree with some of the things he supports. Anyways, uh, <laughs> moving on. Um, that was, I don't think 
Matt was not in this show. He was only in Great Expectations and Hairspray. Yeah, that was weird. I, I can't remember his reasoning for not being a nanny. But yeah, it was like me, Tyler, Chad Collins, and then possibly Nick Pineda. I cannot, for the love of God, remember if he stuck around. And then, yeah, I think it was us four were the male ensemble. Along with, like, Troy, Austin, Raheem, Jerry, and... Is there another male character? No. And whoever, like, his day was not to be Daddy Warbucks or Rooster. Um, yeah. Men at La Plata High School in musicals. Never. It just got worse and worse. And Hairspray, I think, actually, we rebounded. We had a good crop of men in that show yeah because it was a lot of people who i kept saying why don't you do theater at Plato high school and they never gave me a good reason and finally they showed up to auditions so i was like wait i didn't even think you were an option to play this role i thought you were like too cool for labite high school theater so um yeah so I just remember Annie was a hot mess, and not to toot my own horn, but I was given a lot of great acclaim for it. Oh, my whole point with me playing half the ensemble was because um, since Tom Latimer had to become FDR, I became whatever senator he played. So I learned that role in, like, what, six days, maybe, tops, five days, um, was Archie in that show? Maybe Archie was also in Annie. I feel like Archie was like, did something up in the light booth, though. Like, sound. <sighs> He's gonna kill me if he was in that show, and I don't remember. Um, because he, he was a new student junior year. That was the thing. I don't remember now. Anyways... I haven't seen Archie in a while because he moved. Oh, no, I saw him, like, right before the pandemic hit because I saw him in Move Over Miss Markham, which was February of 2020. Jesus Christ. That show feels like it was forever ago. That was the last, like, last full-run made stage show at BTP before the pandemic because your good man Charlie Brown only got three performances in. Um... To end off my Annie story, so yeah, I played some senator, and they kept giving me new direction with every performance to get bigger and bigger with that role, and it brought down the house, apparently, because everybody, like, after the show would, like, they had a favorite character of mine for each, like, each character that I had had fans, and I was like, wow, and, like, people really loved me as Burt Healy, and I sang You Never Fully Dressed Without a Smile, for a couple of auditions and things and became one of my mainstays and yeah it's just so weird that Annie is one of my most critically acclaimed performances for a show that I did not give two shits about and I it was the great old you gotta like be the best in the bunch kind of I don't Ben, ben Simpson had some quote that he told my mother one time about a show that he was in that I will not name that he did not have a, have a good time in, but he, like, told her something that about, like, 
I'm here to, I'm going to be good if, even if nobody else around me is good. I don't remember what the quote was. Maybe he'll correct me one day. Um, so yeah, I wish Annie would go into a dumpster fire and never again be performed in front of a live audience and never to be seen again. But after me doing that in high school, of course, PTP did Annie, and, you know, Madeline Mudd played Annie, and that is a role that Madeline Mudd was born to play, and she did, she did a great job. It was the best production you possibly could have done with Annie, because it's just not a show that I think is any good to begin with, but they did a very good job when it happened at PTP. And then we had to do it for the middle schoolers in 2019 for theater camp, and I was promised The Lion King, and I showed up and was told we were doing Annie, and I wanted to jump into the orchestra pit, like, from the stage, not, like, actually walk down the orchestra pit. No, I wanted to spelunk right into the orchestra pit when I found out. And then I wanted to follow that by pushing the girl who played Annie into the orchestra pit because she drove everybody crazy. Also, God, Jimmy Kimmel, you are so annoying. Why am I watching this channel? I don't want to... Anyways, 33 minutes in and I barely talked about this move, this live production. Um... Yeah, so this is my Annie-like journey. I don't ever want to see another production of Annie ever again in my life or participate in a production of Annie for the rest of my life. It is like a Christmas carol, except I can sit through a Christmas carol without clawing my ears out because there are ways to do a Christmas carol in an interesting way, like over and over again. Annie, no. <laughs> it's Annie, and it sucks. With Annie Live, just per tradition, they've got a new breakout person that they did a like a wide search for. I do not even have anybody's names out because I really don't give a fuck. Um, oh, Annie Live. Uh, Annie Leibovitz. That's what it should be about. Um, her name is Selena Smith, and um, in this cast, I want to say Taraji P. Henson was the first person that was announced who got cast as Miss Hannigan. That definitely was like the okay. I'll give this a try. I mean, I was gonna watch it regardless who the cast, cause I just suffer through all of them, so I can do this podcast and for completion's sake. Um, I don't remember who was next to be announced as cast, but, uh, the rest of the cast is Harry Connick Jr. as Daddy Warbucks, a, uh, casting choice that makes much more sense in the 90s when people gave a shit about Harry Connick Jr. Um, Nicole Schrzinger, Schrzinger, I can never pronounce her name, as Grace, a casting decision that will never ever make sense because Nicole Schrzinger has never been relevant nor will she ever be relevant and when she is the only person who has any qualifications to be on the mass singer and judging a singing competition even in a gimmick format 
then you've got an issue. Um, Nicole Schrozinger's only good um, value to society is her shouting yes during uh, Wendy Williams' performance on The Masked Singer as Lips of Native New Yorker by Odyssey. Um, Titus Burgess as Rooster, another selling point. Um, Lily was originally cast to be Jane Krakowski, which was gorgeous casting with Titus as Rooster. And the pairing or of the triple of Taraji, Titus, and Jane doing Easy Street was just music to my ears. Um, but Jane had a breakthrough case of COVID about three weeks before the production. So they brought in Megan Hilty, who is a perfect replacement if under the circumstances for Jane Krakowski and did a wonderful job. Um, Jeff Creedy is the guy who played Burt Healy. Who the fuck is Jeff Creedy? Because he was not good. Um, he looks... He... Wait. I was about to say. He played the understudy for Jean Valjean in the 2006 revival of Les Mis, but, um... He... Oh, wait. Oh no, he just appeared. His next appearance was in Sunday in the Park with George, but... Okay, he didn't play George. He just seems like somebody who, um... Who... What is going on here? This, like, Wikipedia page for this man is so, like... Just messy. He apparently was the standby in Tootsie. And he starred in A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Mur Murder? Wait. What? He played Monty. That wasn't the lead role. That was, um... I can't remember that guy's name. This thing is, like, all out of order. Because now it's jumping to Billy Elliot. Like, this, this Wikipedia page just feels made up. Like, what? There's no order. There is no structure to this Wikipedia page. Um, apparently, he has appeared on a bunch of CBS shows. Anyways, I didn't think he was very good. <laughs> As Bert Healy, a role that is very important. Um, Alan Toy played FDR and... It was a very, like, uh, I don't know. It was a talk, much talked about casting choice because he was, like, a man who was actually in a wheelchair playing a man who was in a wheelchair. Like, okay. Like, I mean, like, good for the, like, the history. Or not the history, but, like, the inclusion. But, like, FDR's not that big of a role to begin with, so. And I don't know who this man is. And sure. I don't know, people acted like it was, like, the biggest deal, like, in the world, like, that they cast him as, like, Elphaban Wicked, and I'm like, everybody calm down, it's just Eddie Live, <laughs> like, this is not a show that anybody's going to remember exists in five days, because it has been five days, and I barely remember watching this, um... 
Anyways, what am I going to look for next? I think that's it. Um, also, Andrea McArdle, who origi- originated the role of Annie on Broadway, was going to be Eleanor Roosevelt, but she had to step away because her father was hospitalized and they wrote the part out. And apparently she recorded herself on the cast recording already so um that's probably why they did not recast the role anyways um what's my review of this i I mean can you tell that i don't give a shit it was terrible i mean like i gave it two and a half stars in letterboxd because like until titus burgess and megan hilty show up for easy street it was just nails on a chalkboard, all of the performances, and I'm sorry, I know she's a child, including the girl that played Annie, just were bad to me. Everybody was either shouting their songs and not singing. I don't know, the girl had no pitch control. I don't know who the music director for this was, but like they were not helping this girl out. Um Harry Connick Jr. was doing like a Frank Sinatra meets Christopher Walken impersonation playing Daddy Warbucks. He had talked like this. I can't no, that's I don't know what that accent was. But he talked like I can't even do what he was doing. It was like think Frank Sinatra and then mix in a little bit of a Christopher Walken in. And I'm like, what year is like what what is this performance? Um, Nicole Scherzinger just never do not understand what her appeal is, do not understand why people give a shit about her, and why people were like so into her Grizabella performance on the West End revival of Cats. I don't know. I just don't understand why she is still like somebody that people keep like booking. <laughs> I don't know. I don't mean to be mean, but like what is the purpose here? Um what else? I don't even know. Um, uh, oh, like the camera, the camera like kept, I don't know, the camera blocking is always terrible in these live productions. Like the only ones that have ever done it fine are Grease Live. Like that was incredible the way they did that. And I want to say like, Maybe Jesus Christ Superstar, because they did, they really had the one set, and they didn't really have to move things around. But other than that, like, I don't know. It's just sometimes the camera, like, the, the editing, like, they, like, the scene was over here, and they were, like, the, either the camera was, like, moving, like, in the process, or, like, I don't know. There were some really jarring <laughs> camera work going on here. Um... And I just, the sets were unremarkable. I don't understand what the framing device of Annie with all of, like, the current day kids was. I, I don't understand what that framing device was supposed to be about. Um, I don't know. The only thing that saved this for me were Titus Burgess and Megan Holty. Um, both are going to get a Sharon Liza Award, uh, Pierce Brosnan Award, Harry Connick Jr., terrible just terrible who gives a shit about this man in 2021 truly he 
I don't know why he had a talk show, a daytime talk show, that clearly nobody cared about because it got canceled after two seasons. Uh, he was a terrible American Idol judge. He was such an asshole and so snide and had no constructive criticism whatsoever. Um, and he's just uh, such a boring, boring person. In any interview, his music is boring. His singing is subpar and it's all like it is a frank sinatra syndrome of people who think they are crooners and think that they are just good because they are good at being crooners and it's like no just because you're good at like covering songs it's like shut up i can't even express my like disinterest in both harry goddard jr and nicole schrozinger at least Nicole Scherzinger has some talent. Harry Connick Jr. is just dead behind the eyes, looked bored to be there. And it's just like, everybody, who, like, other than Albert Finney, who was just going off the wall in the 82 movie, and then Victor Garber, who did it more of a modest way, just between Jamie Foxx and Harry Connick Jr., two people who just seem so disinterested in being in these projects as Daddy Warbucks. Um, and the Razzle Award, of course, goes to Easy Street because everything else was a tire fire, especially because in the 82 movie, there's a song called We Got Annie that's not in the original musical. And they decided to add it into this musical. And it's like, who asked for this? This is terrible. Um, the reviews, I didn't see a fucking peep because nobody gives a shit about this performance. Let me see if the Wikipedia page has anything because truly, I do not know if anybody recorded any reception. Um, yeah, I got 5 million views. And there were no reviews recorded on the Wikipedia page. Um, I can tell you that my grandmother loved it because she texted me right when it ended, which is when I started it because I got home late from, where was I at Thursday night? Was I, that was my AFI, I was at the AFI Silver all day. I was going, no, I remember making the joke. I'm like, I'm going to see something of equal, um, like material and subject matter wise of Annie Live while it's airing. And that is Paul Verhoeven's Benedetta, a movie about lesbian nuns who fucking go on a murder, like they murder a pope because he brought in the plague and he also tried to kill Benedetta who is like everybody believes is like like speaking to Jesus and like bringing the messages and trust her and do not trust the Pope and um, it is definitely a film that has riled up Catholics because they will be at the New York Film Fest premiere of it holding signs going Mary we love you we reject this blasphemy um, just so wonderful God love Poverhoven. Poverhoven should direct any live. There'll be lots of murder, lots of sex, but not with the kids, with just Miss Hennigan and, well, not Miss Hennigan, it will be between Lily and, <laughs> Lily and Rooster. 
because Poverhoven is a madman, but he's not a illegal monster with putting very bad images with children. Just scratch all of what I just said. Uh, we're done with this podcast. We're done. Um, that's it. Annie Live fucking sucked. Not as a disaster as The Sound of Music Live was, but um, still pretty bad. Um, also not a disastrous rent live where somebody literally broke their leg and they just um, showed the rehearsal footage at where everybody was marking their performances, except for Jordan Fisher, who is wonderful, and I would like to see Dear Evan Hansen, even though I do not want to spend over $100 to see Dear Evan Hansen again, a show that I very much like and will defend, but not a rewatchable show uh, for that price. <laughs> to me i would like to see it with jordan fisher in a cheap like nosebleed seat if i can um anything else i want to say no i don't um they have not announced what they're going to threaten to do next holiday season um i like they've already done rent they've already done annie it's like what next paint your wagon live like in terms of musicals that i fucking hate um, if they want to do Hello Dolly live, if they want to do Cats live, be my guest. Um, if they want to do Beauty and the Beast live, sure. I don't know. I mean, the ABC will not let them do Beauty and the Beast live because Disney owns ABC. Um, I don't know. Uh, The Prom live. I'm just looking at the posters on my wall now. How to succeed in business without really trying live. Um assassins live let's do assassins live i mean truly they should do a sondheim musical and they should have done that already and slapped his name as a producer as andrew lloyd weber and tim rice did with jesus christ superstar live which is why they are egot members and it is a fucking disappointment that steven sondheim will go to his grave without an egot because he never won an emmy which is so disappointing um i also realized when i recorded the encanto podcast last week that i did not mention that sondheim steven sondheim had died and it was probably very callous on my part to have just totally not acknowledge that i am going to acknowledge it more and go in depth uh is it next week no next week's west side story i will talk about him next week because west side story was Lyrics were written by Stephen Sondheim, but I wanted to do more of a tribute to him when I do my New York episode where I'm seeing the revivals of Company and Assassins. Um, I didn't feel like doing them on the Annie Live podcast nor the Encanto podcast. Um, what else was I going to mention? Um... I already, oh, I, I said that this would be like a combo episode with Zoe's Extraordinary Christmas. I have still not found the time to watch it, so I will mention it whenever I find the time to watch it, because I just, I don't know, it keeps moving to the back of my list of things I need to catch up on. Um, anything else? No. Um, Easy Street, uh, Little Girls, Little Girls. Oh, I haven't mentioned... I found Taraji P. Henson kind of 
fine in this role. Like, when they cast her in it, I was like, ooh, that sounds like a fun role. Can Taraji sing? Unfortunately, not really. And I just don't think she was... She could have been better. I like me... I love me some Taraji P. Henson, but I feel like she was not... She was either told to restrain herself or she was not giving it the best of her abilities. Um, I do want to mention the guy that played Mr. Bundles, who was also in the Hooverville scene, was also a highlight. Also, if it weren't for Easy Street, uh, I would have given the Razzle Dazzle Award to the Hooverville number because... Um, that number is underrated and is often cut out of filmed versions of Annie. And I always remember reading Bossy Pants by Tina Fey and saying she did an Entertainment Weekly uh, cover shoot one time or some magazine cover shoot and that you should never put give them your iPod to be the music that plays for the cover shoot because like one of the songs that came in the shuffle was the Hooverville song from Annie. Um, that is incredible to me. Um, anyways, today we're living in a shanty. Oh, they're bringing a new deal for Christmas. Christmas this year. The sun will not come out tomorrow because I'm fucking done talking about Annie. <laughs> And the bumper music is We Got Annie, performed by Nicole Schrizinger, and Easy Street, performed by Taraji P. Henson, Titus Burgess, and Megan Hulte. Both songs written by Martin Charman, Charnin and Charles Strauss. Easy Street! Easy Street!